Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, church. I'm so used to wearing this mask, I forget I'm wearing one. All right, there. Well, it's good to be back. Um, some of you know that um, I was supposed to speak last week, but I, you know, sent a, like a, a text um, to our lead team um, that I was in the hospital. I got admitted. I was feeling chest pain, and my arm, left side was hurting, and so, you know, we went to the hospital, and the good news is that um, they found out there was no blockage, um, uh, and then the, the thing that they said was that they found heart inflammation. I don't know what that means yet, but I'm just glad it's not blockage. And so the team decided to move me to this week. I thought I'd get a free pass, but I, I don't. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I guess uh, you, you can't get a day off here, huh? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm really thankful to uh, be preaching. And, and today is the first time I'm inside this building speaking, and so there's something special about it. Um, since I got hired in January, you know, to be one of the co-pastors, um, I knew it would be a challenge, especially in light of the pandemic. And, you know, I've been, like, making the invitations in different, like, staff group settings and different other, like, groups in the church and asking people, you know, an invitation for coffee or a meal, and just to get to know you and to get to know your story and to hear a little bit of mine. And, and so today, you know, before I begin, I want to extend that invitation to you. Uh, whether you've been here, you know, forever or whether you just started coming, I would love to, um, to know you. And that I'm, I'm speaking that from my heart. And so um, as we begin today, we are continuing a part two on adoption. And I think it's a really, really important topic that is tied into such a central uh, teaching of Scripture. So with that, let me uh, start us in prayer. God, we thank you for this um, time to be together as a family. And God, I know as we talk about the mysteries of your kingdom, God, words can only take us so far. I know my own experience, God, would only shed just a, a small amount of light. And so, God, because of that, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come intercede, that you would speak to our hearts in ways that none of us can possibly imagine. But, God, through the words of Scripture, you would transform us, you would renew us, and you would help us to see the beauty of what it means to be adopted in the family of God and how much we need each other. And so bless this time we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I, I know a lot of you don't know me here yet, but I am a diehard Laker fan. And, uh, you know, I've been so ever since I was little. You know, when we moved to L.A., I was four years old, and I remember being at the neighbor's house, and the Laker game was on, and I was just glued to the TV. And, you know, we, back then, you know, you didn't have cable, and so I would, like, listen on the radio, but oftentimes the games were late, and so um, I couldn't stay up to figure out, you know, who won the game. And I was, like, maybe seven years old, eight years old, and, and so I would, like, rely on the morning newspaper to come to our door, and I would, like, open up the sports page and find out who won and just read all about it, and I was just so excited. 
And, you know, there was a time where, you know, our family was going through um, money issues, so my dad decided to cancel the subscription of the LA Times, and I was, like, devastated. I was like, where am I going to get my news? Back then, of course, there was no internet or anything like that. And so I was a bit mischievous as a child, and I'm not proud of this, but what I used to do was get up like at 6 a.m. in the morning, walk around the neighborhood, try to find people's newspapers, open it up, read it on their sidewalk, try to put it back into the little bag and, and walk away. I mean, that's how much of a Laker fan I was, and I still am in a lot of ways. And so even now, you know, the Lakers were eliminated from the playoffs, and, um, you know, every time that happens, I'm looking forward to the offseason and, you know, what drafts that they can, like, like get or, or what new players that they could um, bring into the team. And, and I remember watching um, some documentaries, you know, short documentaries of the times they landed, like, great superstars like Shaq or Paul Gasol or LeBron or Anthony Davis. And if you ever watch these documentaries and the behind the scenes of what happens in, in the Laker organization, you'll, you'll see that the general manager and the owner are giving them tours of, you know, the Laker facilities. And one of the places that they pause at and they stop at is the room where, with all the championship trophies. And, and they just kind of sit there and they, they make the new player, right, just look at the trophies. And they, they're basically saying, this is why we chose you. You, you belong now to this organization, to this dynasty that, that has done remarkable things. You know, they'll bring them to the, the um, staples to look at all the banners, the championship banners, and, and they're saying, you know, th- this being a Laker is, is of tremendous privilege, and with that comes a lot of responsibilities. And, and we want you to know that you're coming into something that is, that is greater than any of us. And, you know, as a Laker fan, I'm watching this, and I'm, like, rooting for it, and I'm thinking, I hope they get it because I want this team to be great. And, and of course, it's not just the Lakers, right? It's, it's any organization. You know, I was watching TikTok videos of people being, um, you know, um, uh, hired into Disneyland, and they, they talk about, you know, what, what it's like to first, you know, get trained, you know, in Disneyland and all that, and just just the marvel of, of the privilege of being part of such an organization. And I think about adoption, and in a lot of ways, that's what it is. You know, our adoption is not like a, a, a parent just op- adopting a single child, and all of a sudden they're just trying to get along, just them and the parents. But, but adoption is, is in the us sense, right? It's, it's the whole family of God. When we're brought in to the kingdom, it's, it's, it's us coming together as a greater family, as this great cloud of witnesses. Jesus, even in the way he teaches us how to pray, he says, our Father. That as we develop a relationship with God, it's not my Father, but it's, it's our Father. And this, this adoption, you know, is something really special because it's being adopted into something, something great, something grand. And I was looking up some definitions of adoption in Christian terminology and, and theology, and, and one of them said it is the admission of a believer into the family of God, into entering into the privileges and responsibilities of a new family. And so that's what it is. And so when John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, you know, the writer says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's a privilege, right? Look at the great love God has 
lavished on us that we should be called children of God. But then he goes on in verse 16 and says, Because of this, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, you know, how can, and doesn't do anything, how can love be in that person? Then he goes on and says, don't just love in word and speech, but with action and with truth. And so, you know, John begins with, look at this great love that, you know, that we're adopted into this family. We're now called children of God. That's the privilege. But with that privilege is this responsibility to love one another. And as I was like focusing on these passages, I remember thinking, you know, what is it in these, um, what is it in, in God that like pursues us so much that God wants to like adopt us? Now, my wife and I have friends that went to the farthest reaches of the earth to, to adopt, you know, uh, a couple of daughters. And they went through a lot of like different struggles to, to get to that place. And they were committed to it. They were pursuing. And, and I think about that kind of relentless pursuit, and this is like what, what God has for us. It, it's, you know, you, you find people that are pursuing something, you know, whether it's the perfect wave or, or the first issue of the comic book. In my case, it's not as, you know, as profound. It's like trying to find that perfect taco, you know, and trying to look far and wide of, of you know, what, what that perfect meal is. But, but who is God? God is described as the woman who has lost the coin. God is described in Scripture as the shepherd who was searching for that one sheep or the father who has lost his, his son and he's doing everything possibly imagined to, to pursue that, that thing, that object, to bring that back into right relationship. That, that is adoption. God is like pursuing and relentlessly doing so. But I go back to the question, why is God so committed to this? Why is God pursuing us so much? And I know the quick answer to that question that most of us will probably have, including myself, is that because God is love and that God loves us. And I think that's partially correct. But, but I think if we took a step back, there is something I think that is behind that love, that is even more, more central. In fact, it's so central that I think every other theology and every other thing that we think about in Scripture, whether it's adoption or sanctification or glorification or spiritual formation, is so rooted in this. And I believe that the, the answer to that question is somewhere found in the teaching of the Trinity. And for the church fathers, you know, the, they were trying to figure out what the relationship of the Trinity was. And I know Barbara alluded to this a few weeks ago when she brought up the word for us, perichoresis. And if you've never heard that term, it's actually a compound word. Peri means around, like periscope, right? Looking around. Choresis means movement or dancing, as in choreography. And so there's like this moving around and, and this dancing. And, and so the church fathers looked at the verses about the Trinity and said that's what the Trinity is like, that there is movement, there is this, this dance that is happening between you know, the, the pe persons of the Trinity. 
And Jesus himself says in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 21, I do not ask only for these, but also for those who believe in me through the word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And, and so this is like the, the mystery, right? Jesus is making this prayer, and, and he's making this prayer. And pay attention to this. Jesus is saying that all of them may be one. That's us. Just as the Father is in me and I in you, that they may be in us. And so there is this like pointing to this, this us coming together, but it's, it's rooted in Jesus and the Father being one. There's this relationship that Jesus is trying to address. And so one article I found about the origin of the word perichoresis says this. There's a particular term in Greek that they use to describe a dance. It's called perichoresis. There are not two dancers, but at least three, and they start going in circles, weaving in and out in this beautiful pattern of motion. They start going faster and faster and faster. And all the while, in perfect rhythm and in sync with each other, eventually they are dancing so quick, quickly yet so effortlessly that you look at them and it becomes a blur. Their individual identities are part of a larger dance. And the early church fathers and mothers looked at the dance, perichoresis, and said, that's what the Trinity is like. It's a harmonious set of relationships in, there, in which there is mutual giving and receiving. And this relationship is called love, and that's what the Trinity is about. Perichoresis is a dance of love. And so when Jesus is like praying this prayer and, and is like agonizing, right, for his disciples, before his death on the cross, Jesus is saying, God, the way I am in you and you are in me since the beginning of time. That if only people would understand this love relationship we have, that they would have that same thing. And so Jesus here is exalting, right? He, he's not, it, the, the Trinity is not this static statement of faith that is chiseled on a doorpost or written on our website that this is what we believe as Christians. It's not a statement. It is a, a uh, uh, an expression of love that has been happening since before the beginning of time. That God the Father was in love with God the Son, God the Son was in love with the Spirit, and the Spirit with the Father. And those three have not been the static thing that has existed, but rather that it has been in this eternal dance with one another. They've been dancing since before the beginning of time, before creation itself, there existed the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this, my friends, is the most important relationship of all. You think about all the great love stories you've ever read, you've ever watched. You think about all the songs that have ever been played about love. You think about all the dances, right, that have been choreographed to depict what love is, but nothing compares to this Trinitarian dance that has been happening since before the beginning of time. 
and to meditate on this loving union between the Father, Son, and the Spirit is what Jesus was doing in prayer. Jesus was meditating on this and saying, God, the Father, I, I exult in my relationship with you. The joy I've experienced in just like receiving love for you and being one with you. I pray that we would be one with everyone else and they would be in one with everyone else. And so Jesus is, is saying at the center of the universe is this relationship. It is active. It is alive. It is moving. And the reason for adoption is this, that because of this love relationship that has been going on since the beginning of time, God in his grace has opened the doors and has opened the invitation. That it is an invitation to be part of this dance, the perichoresis. It is for us to like join in. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. That's why you know, God calls us to love one another, to pursue justice, to pursue mercy, to pursue reconciliation, because those are the melodies, those are the harmonies, those are the chords that are being played in this Trinitarian dance. And the more we align ourselves with love, the more we align ourselves with kindness and mercy and, and move towards one another as Mary Twine so profoundly like challenged us to do last week, the more we step into this Trinitarian dance of, of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I was trying to look up all these, like, people trying to explain what this dance looks like. And, you know, Callistos Ware, who's an Eastern Orthodox um, theologian, said, you know, we should look at this dance like, you know, it's not just stillness or repose or unchanging perfection because... You know, we, we have that word that God remains the same. And sometimes, you know, and that's a true statement, but sometimes when we speak of God remaining the same, it almost feels static. But, but it, it's more than that. God, you know, um, is, we, we should look at God as wind, as running water, as unresting flames of fire. Eugene Peterson, you know, um, is trying to describe the Trinitarian theology as an evangelical pastor. And he says, our evangelical church is thin. Until it gets thicker, we're not going to make project, progress in the whole area of spiritual formation. God is an eternal community, a radically other-centered relationship, where the Father is always saying, isn't my son something? The Son is always saying, look at the Father. And the Spirit is always saying, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying in this prayer in John 17, and calling us to, to be one, is Jesus is saying, look at Richard. Look at Denny. You know, look at Barbara. Look at Gina. Look at these beloved people of mine. And I, join, and I ask you to join with me in marveling at who these people are. And especially look at the person you've never met, the stranger. Look at the people who are in the streets who, who we so easily pass by. Look at the people who, who don't have a home. Look at the people who are 
experiencing all sorts of loneliness and turmoil. People who are going through a lot of problems and and the Trinity, this, this, this calling, this movement from the Trinity that moves us to, to, to reconciliation and, and the calling to adopt people into the family of God is this desire for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to have us enter into this beautiful, beautiful relationship again, that has always been and that has always existed. And I pray that somehow we would, like, pause. Pause and think about why we do what we do. And that if we could, like, pause long enough and just just gaze, right? Just gaze and enter into the relationship of the Trinity and marvel at how beautiful that love story is, how sacrificial, how, like, how, how it's always pointing to the other person and how God is inviting us into that type of relationship with one another. It's a beautiful thing. You know, in 2018, I made the hard decision of um, stepping down as a pastor of a church I had been pastoring for 25 years. And I started a nonprofit called Estuary Space, and it was a nonprofit that, that you know, I felt was needed at the time. And it's still going. And if you don't know, um, I'm, you know, at, at this church I'm hired on as a part-time pastor. And my other work is actually um, the director of Estuary Space. And so I provide pastoral um, care and consultation and counseling for, you know, people who are trying to navigate issues of gender and sexuality, especially around LGBTQ identity and all of that. And I come along churches you know, all over the U.S., um, and I, um, you know, coach them on, you know, what it means to, like, love in the midst of even disagreement. And it, it's a, been a beautiful journey, you know. It's brought me to a lot of places, and I've enjoyed it. But one of the things I've honestly missed about, you know, being a part of a, a church, um, and so my wife and I took a pause from church um, and we were actually looking, but had a hard time finding a church that we felt, you know, we could call home. Was that in consultation work with churches, um, you know, I, I come alongside churches and what they're going through. And, and you know, there, there's some, you know, relationships develop, but it's never like at the most personal level, right? Because there's the, as a consultation, you're kind of there temporarily and then you can like opt out at any time. And so there was this, um, there was this like, you know what? Uh, my wife and I were missing church life. Uh, we're missing being part of a community. And so when the elders of the church approached me late last year to consider being a co-pastor, I remember just my wife and I thinking, huh, what is this, you know? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't looking for a pastoral position, but there was something about it that felt very inviting. Um, and I knew that, you know, if we were to accept this position, I knew for me it wouldn't just be a job of preaching and, and planning church stuff. But as a person that has meditated long and hard of what it means to be family, what the church means, I knew that this meant for me to actually... Um, 
give myself to the community. And so that's why since January, I've been asking people to meet over Zoom or coffee or even a meal. I've met with many of you in parks and coffee shops and backyards and different restaurants and and over lunch, breakfast, dinner. In fact, I think LBX is my new uh, church office. Um, And so I want to repeat to you what I've shared in different settings and what I said earlier um, today is that I want to extend an invitation to meet with you. Why is this important? Because I'm asking you to be in community with me. I'm asking you to know me. I want to know you. I guess another way of saying it is I'm asking you to dance with me. I'm asking us to dance together, to take part in this marvelous dance that has been occurring since forever, and to be able to join in. And and as I've been like practicing, right, this this act of adoption, I've been like mentally, God, I'm I'm calling these people, I'm meeting with these people because I'm I'm wanting to like develop my spiritual roots in this community. And as my roots begin to grow, that somehow beneath the surface, our roots begin entangled, begin to get entangled together. And I love that that's beginning to happen. Even though my wife and I have only been here since January, I think it's beginning to happen because as I said last week, I got sick, I was admitted to the hospital for the first time, and just a few days later, you know, I was getting all these texts and messages, and then I, Abby and I showed up for Taco Tuesday, and I felt like I was starting to belong. And I remember Mary Dorsett saw Abby and I, and she just woke up with delight, and she gave us the biggest hug, and she was just so glad that, you know, I was okay. And I remember just receiving that hug and thinking, ah, this is beautiful. This is part of what it means to be adopted into family. And for some of us right now, you know, it eludes us, right? I think one of the loneliest feelings is to be in a room full of people and still feel like you are by yourself. One of the hardest things is to see other people making connections. And somehow, you know, and I've been in that situation sometimes before where I'm pretending that I'm busy on my phone and doing something so I don't look like I'm, I'm alone. And I know it happens to all of us. And my prayer is somehow we would live out our adoption through thinking about the Trinity, through thinking about God, through thinking about love, and to practice what it means to belong. And whatever that looks like, whether it's calling one another, whether it's texting one another, whether it's, you know, in these seats which are socially distanced right now, and hopefully, you know, those guidelines will be removed, but like sitting with another group, sitting with someone that's you know, that you haven't met, you know, and just being together. 
And so that's my prayer. And right now, as we close in prayer, you know, one of the ways we do that is, is by praying for each other. When we not only pray for each other, but when we become vulnerable enough and say, you know what, I need prayer. And so one of the practices we want to do more often as a church is to, uh, to invite you to come, and if you need prayer, to pray. I'm not sure if Gabby is here. Is Gabby there? Here's Gabby. She's uh, our prayer, the ministry prayer leader. And so I'm going to say a little prayer, and Rob is going to um, lead us in song. And so if you, if you want prayer, if you need prayer, if there's something going on in your life, a health issue, if you feel alone especially, I'd like you to come up and, and participate in this interconnection. Participate in this, in this in mutual indwelling, in this being together. And that's what prayer does. So let's pray. God, I thank you for, God, this beautiful space, these beautiful people. And I thank you especially that, God, you have revealed to us in your word the very thing that Jesus exalts in. And that is the glory of the Father. God, I can't help but see Jesus bragging about this relationship. Oh, how beautiful, how rich. And God, in that exalting, Jesus invites us to participate in that relationship. God opens up the dance. God opens it up to all of us. And so I pray that we wouldn't see church as a, just as a Sunday attendee. And that we would see that our spiritual formation cannot be done in isolation. but it can only be achieved by connection through community, through sacrifice. And to move us, God, by your spirit, help us to enter into this dance. In Christ's name, amen.